Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. Coming up on this episode, it's a match preview. Newcastle welcomes Spurs to St. Jim's Park on Easter Sunday in what is another must-win game for the Magpies. I'm going to be joined by Spurs writer Alistair Gold, who works for Football London. But first off, it's John Gibson, and he shares his views on what is another vital weekend for Newcastle United. John, thanks for joining us. Another turbulent week for Newcastle United. And despite that defeat to Brighton, Steve Bruce has clung on to his job. Before we talk about Spurs, how has International Week been for you? Well, we've said you, you were saying a must win match, uh, and how long have we been saying that, and how long have Newcastle failed to win those must well, win that's matches. why I didn't ask you that's why I didn't ask you this time because I, you're right the last time <laughs> last few times we've spoken it's been is yeah. it a must win so I wasn't going to bother asking the question this time around but I mean we are we are at the stage of life where you know there isn't another second chance we're now having had a fortnight to stew over possibly one of the worst performances we've seen from Newcastle this season and we've seen some dreadful ones uh, against Brighton I haven't had a fortnight to stew on that we're now into the final furlong of the season nine games to go and counting down and you know there, there's no more wiggle room, there's no more uh, excuses being accepted, the, the job's got to be done now not tomorrow uh, it's got to be done immediately because uh, the wiggle room's gone and um, it's going to be very, very interesting to see how both Steve Bruce and Newcastle United go about their business on Sunday. And, and for me, um, what happens on Sunday will either leave me with some hope that we can somehow do a Harry Houdini and get out of this or leave me with no hope at all. And and by that, I mean, there's two aspects I will be looking at for on Sunday that will indicate to me what chance we have. One is Steve Bruce's team selection an hour before kickoff. That will tell me so much about the chance we have. And secondly is the body language of the players during the match because um, I must say that will tell us absolutely everything because the body language is horrendous at, at Brighton. It left us with no hope. The white flag was raised so early in the game. Uh, there was absolutely no backbone in the side. If we continue like that, then we are dead without a shadow of doubt. My one hope is that there was an immediate inquest, wasn't there, after the game, is uh, both with the players and everyone, is Steve Bush going to go? Um, quite quickly, it was established he wasn't. I think that had a negative effect on morale, not certainly with fans, but with certain players too. But now they've had a fortnight to think about it, and the hope has got to be that the players thought to themselves, or the vast majority of them did, never mind about Mike Ashley, never mind about the manager, never mind about the coaches, let us do it for ourselves. Let us keep our dignity, our pride, and above all, our Premier League status, because we don't want to play in the Championship next season. Let's go out and make a fist of this. They've had a fortnight to think about it. I pray to God that it's dawned on them that this is literally them sitting in the departure lounge and either depart for the championship or they, they stay where they are. And this is what will tell us. The team selection 
will tell us an awful lot about Steve Bruce and the attitude of the players on the field will tell us an awful lot about whether they're up for the fight or not. That will tell us how the other eight games will go, to be truthful. As we've been recording this, a good friend, Luke Edwards of The Telegraph, has just published a story which says that if Steve Bruce keeps Newcastle United up, he could get a new contract. <laughs> that's in the that's in the Telegraph. Yeah, it's just gone out. Well, actually, went out an hour ago. Actually, so it's just it's just started to gain a bit of traction on a, on well, social media there. Well, the Telegraph are great supporters of Steve Bruce, as you well know, and have unreservedly championed him all the way through. So. I would have been very surprised if they'd uh, printed a story saying that if Steve Bruce keeps Newcastle United up, he will still get the sack in the summer. Uh, I wouldn't have expected that. All this information would only horrify fans. And uh, quite frankly, what happens in the summer uh, is got to be kept for the summer because there's nine games to go before that. And what we do know is that Steve Bruce will be here for those nine games. But that doesn't mean we've got, we haven't got to get on with trying to save this great club from going down for the third time under Ashley and this time not coming back immediately, which is probably the way it would be. Um, I'm not certain that putting that out at the moment is going to help morale either in the dressing room or anywhere else. And it certainly wouldn't on the terraces if anybody was on the terraces on Sunday. That is how lucky Mike Ashley and Steve Bruce is, that no one is on the terraces. But that is for another day. Let's try to save the club first. I mean, it is a nonsense, and it is quite ridiculous because... um, I mean, it's almost like fingering, uh, thumbing your nose at the fans because um, the morale of not changing things after the abysmal season this has been is more than fans can contemplate. And it is a huge risk if Mike Ashley decides to go down that defiant road because next season fans will be in St. James's Park and it will not be a very nice place to be if nothing has changed in terms of personnel at Newcastle. It will not be a nice place to be next season, and that is a great shame, and that shouldn't happen. And to be truthful, Steve Bruce shouldn't want to be part of that if the atmosphere hasn't changed. And I don't know how he'll change the atmosphere. If he thinks he'll change the atmosphere by keeping Newcastle up, then he is vastly mistaken, because... That, if Newcastle stay up, fans will say, well, that shouldn't have been the fight that it has been. We should have stayed up comfortably. Steve Bruce himself was talking prior to this season starting if could he finish 10th or above this season. So fourth bottom, which is where we will be very grateful to finish, is hardly a step forward and hardly likely to to justify the reward of an extension of a contract to anybody uh, in any club and in any other club. Not only would that not happen, but uh, the manager wouldn't be there after just two wins in uh, in 20 games. Uh, Steve didn't manage to survive half of that when he was at Aston Villa um, compared with the run he's having now. But um, first things first, we've got to look at Spurs and we've got to not be afraid of Spurs. We have been the greatest club in the Premier League this season for having ready-made excuses. We've either had coronavirus excuse, we've either had a lot of injuries excuse or we've had, well, we've just had a tough run of fixtures, you know, as though we we should automatically expect to lose when we play those sort of fixtures. Well, no doubt Spurs will fit into that, but the time for excuses has gone. There are no more excuses. If you fail to do it against the likes of Brighton, against the, the likes of Sheffield United, against the likes of West Brom, where we could only get a draw, then you are going to have to do it in the big games 
and this is a big game. We are going to pay the price now for not doing it when we had a very good opportunity. So forget about it. Get out on Sunday and get the job done. Because Spurs are not as good as Spurs usually are. They're not as good as their name suggests. If you recall, before the last round of games, um, Mourinho was talked about in the same breath as Steve Bruce as to who gets a sack first between the two of them. Mm, he's second. He's second at the moment. Second favourite behind Bruce. Still. Yeah. For all of one at Villa. But having lost the Arsenal-North London derby and then got thrown out of Europe by uh, Dynamo Zagreb, sacrificing a two-goal lead, there was talk that, that Mourinho was going to go. And he is getting the same sort of treatment from Spurs fans as Bruce is from Newcastle fans because the feel that they've had bad results this season, Spurs, they play a graceless sort of football um, and the manager has spectacularly frozen out big-name players like Deli Ali and David Bale at some stage. So while it's all relevant, I'm not suggesting their problems are anything like as bad as ours, but they're all, because they're not. But they're all relevant, so let's not make out Spurs to be the sort of flamboyant side they were in, under the previous manager. This Spurs side is beatable, and yet we will go into the match, no question, second favourites. There's definitely a bit of a undercurrent of unrest, I think, down in uh, its Spurs. And it's funny because you mentioned there that Mourinho is second favourite to get the sack behind Steve Bruce. And yet, in the last eight games, he's won six of them in the league. And it's um, that's one less than Newcastle have won all season. Yeah, oh, you know, it's bizarre. Yeah, Yes, you can't compare Spurs' problems with Newcastle's problems in terms of how horrendous they are, mm. but by Spurs' level. I mean, this side early in the season was top of the league. There wasn't sort of, will they get into the top four? They were top of the league and in Europe, and of course they're through to the League Cup final, which is still to come. But this side was top of the league. It has then had some very bad results. When the killers come along, they've fallen flat on the face, the Spurs fans liked the sort of adventurous football that was played by the previous manager and don't like the sort of defence-orientated football played by this manager. But, I mean, we can't concentrate on Spurs on Sunday. We don't want to concentrate on Spurs on Sunday. I'm just making the point that Newcastle should not already have the excuse made that when they lose, if they lose, they say, well, of course it was Spurs. It was a tough match. It's Spurs in name only. Um, but and, and yes, I think they are second favourites in this match, without a shadow of doubt. But they're going to be second favourites in every match they play from now to the end of the season, apart from possibly Sheffield United. So they've got to overcome those odds not see them as a ready-made excuse, but see them as a fence that can be jumped. Now, you mentioned ready-made excuses, and I'm not by any means saying that this is one, but Steve Bruce did say in his press conference this morning when he was asked what Newcastle had been working on in training, he said it's been very difficult because we've had six or seven away, but it's allowed two or three to get closer to match fitness. Now, to me... You know, you look at probably look at Spurs, and I haven't done the calculations, but I'm betting they've had quite a few players away. We know they've had Harry Kane away, uh, most well, certainly. It's not it's that's a not an excuse, Andrew. It's a nonsense. Yeah, I mean, Steve Bruce is the sort of manager that gets his retaliation in first. He tells you why they're going to lose before they lose. It is an absolute nonsense to talk about. It's been very tough this last fortnight. It's been very tough this last fortnight because of the performance that was put on at Brighton. That's why it's been very tough. Spurs have had how many players away? All the top clubs have had loads of players away because that's why they're top clubs. 
and it's, oh, the players are in need of a rest. They've been worked over over much during a, a concertinated season this season because of coronavirus. Uh, they're not getting a rest enough. Have you, has he any idea how many games Harry Kane has played for Spurs? It, with being a regular and so important to Tottenham's uh, game that, that, that Mourinho is scared to risk him. And then he goes away with England and he's England's captain and he plays for England. And by the way, as far as I can recall, he keeps scoring goals and, and keeps getting on with it and keeps doing the job very, very well. Please do not make excuses which are could be made by the opposition twice over. It it's it really annoys Newcastle United fans to be told before game what's tough going into this game. Oh, we've we've had so many injuries. We still could be without uh, Wilson. Maximum's not up to strength. Almiron's not up to strength. And of course, we've had players away on international duty, so we've had to do limited work. Excuse me, that is life in the Premier League. Get on with it. Good news, Alan Maxman may be all right to feature at some stage during the Spurs game. But like you said there, the fact yep. he's just coming back from that injury, he won't be fully match fit, just like Almiron wasn't against Brighton. But that yep. will give a boost to fans and to the squad. But my worry is, is that, again, you're relying on you're relying on the likes of Almiron, the likes of St. Maxman and Wilson coming back. And there being an instant turnaround. And you know, that's going to take a few weeks. And even before they got injured, Newcastle weren't really doing much. They weren't picking up the points. And I just think it's a huge gamble to to, to put all your, all your, what's the phrase, yeah. you know, all your hope on these on these three players. Yes, it, there's absolutely no question about that. And I've been trumpeting that for an awful long time. Uh, we've got to remember that these players have been around during this uh, run of two wins in 20 games. It's not, it's not as if they've been out for all of the 20. We've found it tough. Uh, the spectacular win, when it worked wonderfully, was at Everton. But that's been an island uh, in oasis in the middle of a desert, which uh, is, is the sadness. Um, don't get me wrong, the Almiran uh, being available again and Maximum being available again is a huge, huge plus, as it will be when Wilson's available again. But for them all to think to click, for them all to go together as the front three, which is what we want desperately, um, you know, it's they're not going to go together as the front three because they're going to have to be gently introduced, either like Almirin at Brighton where you start and then come off, or you don't start and go on. But you're not going to get 90 minutes out of out of uh, San Maximum against Spurs, and it sounds as if we're not going to get Wilson um, probably at all, and Burnley's more realistic. But, you know, when we're, when we're the tragedy is, the awful thing is, and I, really you don't want to mention it because you want to leave us with hope, but if we, if we think we've got our in back, but obviously not 100%, we might get some sort of uh, reaction out of uh, maximum during the game. But on the other side of the coin, they've got Kane absolutely fully fit and top of his game. And Song could be back. Uh, we talk about maximum, but could be back. What if Song's back to go with Kane? Because that's that's one of the best partnerships in the Premier League. They make goals for each other. They score goals, and they could be back in harness here, and Lamelle ought to be available after being suspended for getting his red card at Arsenal when he scored the most outrageous goal, if you remember, flicking the ball behind with one foot behind his standing leg. I mean, audacious goal. So maybe they're going to get a bigger boost out of their comeback players than, than we are. It is tough. And there's no question about that, but we've run out of excuses because we've made it tough. It is only tough because we have made it tough for ourselves. And talking about players coming back, Andrew, we weren't for us. Um, one of the first things I said in this interview was that Steve Bruce's team selection is going to tell us an awful lot an hour before the game. And it really is, because 
what is our, for example, the team selection, what is our front three going to be? Because it's not going to be our first choice uh, front three if Wilson, Sam Maximum and Almiron. So what's the front three going to be? That's going to be hugely important to us. Is it going to include Joe Linton and Fraser? I think it has or to. It gonna, or is it going to include Carol and Gale? Um, you would think, now, given Fraser's, I, four, Fraser's performances this week for Scotland, that he has to put him on the, on on the one of the wings, doesn't he? Well, it, no, um, because I think Murphy's got uh, as good a chance. By the way, let's get this Scotland thing into perspective. First and foremost, are we not absolutely annoyed that he's producing performances for Scotland and not producing performances for us? And by the way, wasn't there a significant quote from Fraser in which he said, when you've got a manager that you really wish to play for, you'll run through brick walls for him, and, and that's what's happened. Now, he's not talking about Steve Bruce at Newcastle. He's talking about the old Newcastle coach, Steve Clark, with, with Scotland. Was that not telling uh, not only about what Clark's doing to get the best for Scotland, but what uh, Bruce obviously isn't doing to get the best out of Fraser here? Because he looks here as if he doesn't want to be part of this setup. And by the way, just to finish my rant about about Fraser, that you know, we're, we're going on about his goals, etc. for Scotland, and it's lovely to see, and I hope it does rub off on Newcastle and he gets his first goal for Newcastle on Sunday. But I would suggest one thing. Tottenham Hotspur is not the Faroe Islands. I think they're slightly better than the Faroe Islands. And when when a guy that's five foot four gets a free header at the back post to score as he did against the Faroe Islands, it, it's rather telling you what the opposition is like. And I don't think that will happen against Spurs. So, you know, let's not get too elated by a performance that came against the Faroe Islands as opposed to a performance that comes against Spain or Brazil or somebody of that nature. I mean, what I would like to see and what fans would like to see is Carolyn Gale in in harness. Not I, I, I hasten to add because I rate them. I don't. I think Carol's past his sell by date. Gale is is a very good championship striker, but he's probably the best goal scorer we've got here. And Carol will knock about centre halves who aren't getting knocked about at the moment. Um, so then, with somebody out wide and overlapping fullbacks, so that Carroll could make life uncomfortable and Gale could pick up the pieces. But I don't think in the current setup, um, tactical setup, there's much chance of, of them being in tandem in the centre of the pitch. And talking about, you know, the, the front three selection telling us an awful lot. What will also tell us an awful lot is who replaces Isaac Hayden. Because if it's Jeff Hendrick the, uh, uh, with Joe Linton up front, you'll see Newcastle fans' hearts will be in their boots. But will it be Jeff Hendrick or will it be one of the long staffs or outside shot? Might it be Matt Ritchie? So his selection of the front three and his selection of the replacement for Hayden will tell us an awful, awful lot. Who would you pick to replace Hayden? What... Well, I would go for Carroll and Gale up front when Wilson can't uh, start, and I don't think San Maximum will start. I think he'll probably come off the bench. I would go for Carroll and Gale in, in a player wide, but I don't think for one moment that will happen because I think he'll stick with these split, these split strikers in the formation that was brought in at Everton and worked so perfectly because of the front three we've had there and has worked so badly when those three have been injured. But I would go for Carroll and Gale and a white man and I would go for anybody to replace Hayden bar Hendrick. Just before I get your score prediction then, John, just want to get your take on the Chronicle Live's big Bruce survey. The results were released earlier this weekend. More than 14,000 people took part in the survey. 95% of those said they wanted to see Bruce to go. He was asked about that this morning in his press conference, and he said, everybody is entitled to their opinion. 
I can't take any notice of polls. I just have to focus on Tottenham. What do you make of that response? I think it's a predictable Steve Bruce response. That's the way that he looks at things. Um, privately, he will have taken notice of it and probably have been hurt by it. But I hope he has taken notice and I hope he is hurt by it because it might sting him into some sort of positivity against Tottenham Hotspur because we desperately, desperately need uh, to go into this match and win. And if somebody has had a jab, uh, Steve Bruce between the ribs to make that happen, so be it. I personally think it's far too late for Bruce um, to be able to turn the tide. You know, the parting of the seas, the Red Sea, I can't see uh, Steve Bruce managing to do that. I think it's too late for the man. But we... I'm hopeful that the players have got together themselves and said, we let them do it not for the club badge, not for the manager, not for the fans, all the platitudes. Well, let them do it for themselves because that's why they might do it, to help themselves. It's about time they help themselves, looked at their own pride and did some... Because I tell you what, they're going to wake up and, and by the time they wake up, it's going to be too late and we're going to be in the championship and they might be happy either to play in the championship or to t- or to bail out the club and go and play somewhere else. The fans don't do that. The manager could do that. The coaches could do that. The players could do that. Even Ashley could do that, please God. But the fans don't. We're stuck with it. So let them have the dignity of at least going down with a fight. It's when we go down with a whimper, as we did at Brighton, that the whole thing becomes an absolute unmitigated disgrace. And that should surely not happen again uh, in this game on Sunday. On to that game on Sunday then, John. How do you see it finishing? It's very, very difficult on the evidence of our own eyes and the evidence we have seen over the last 20 games to see anything but a Spurs victory. Um, but that's the sort of thing that uh, you've got to overcome the problem. I mean, I remember not so long ago... Newcastle going to Tottenham Hotspur and winning with Joe Linton scoring the winner. Now, that is not very usual, and that uh, is probably expecting pink pigs to be flying past the window before that happens again on Sunday Um, with the same score and the same scorer. But we've got to start believing these sides can be beaten, and Spurs can be beaten. Quite frankly, I don't think they will be, but they can be beaten. I mean, my main hope is a draw, which is which is not anywhere near good enough because they've got to start picking up three points, not one point. And they've looked recently, Andrew, before the Brighton defeat, we've looked upon drawn games and treated them as if they were victories. I mean, you know, it was supposed to be a good point at West Brom. For goodness sake, it was two colossal points lost. Um, I'm afraid that on the evidence of these old eyes, I can see nothing but us us losing against, um, against Tottenham Hotspur. But having put themselves in the clots, it's up to them to get themselves out the court. And I'm including the manager and the coaches as well as the players all lumped together. You lot got win, you lot get out. Let's see what happens on Sunday. But I tell you what, by we sit down for a day on, on Sunday, Andrew, we'll know where this club's going because we'll have seen the team sheet selection and we'll have seen the attitude of players towards the match itself. And it'll either be a big plus or it'll be a, a minus with no hope. So we'll know an awful lot comes uh, Sunday. Brilliant as ever there from John Gibson. And if you want to hear more from Gibbo, we run a podcast called Gibbo's Corner where we look back 
on John's career covering Newcastle United and he tells some fantastic stories about some of the biggest names to have played for Newcastle United and to have managed them. Some of the characters that you might not even know, you certainly won't have heard all these stories. There's some really funny, emotional, powerful stories that John tells. It's a really good, nostalgic pod, retro pod, one of the best around. So just hit up Gibbo's Corner in your podcast provider and you'll find out the last one was on the Magnificent Seven those who left Newcastle too soon, where Gibble picked seven players. He feels Newcastle sold far too early, the likes of Les Ferdinand, Andy Cole, and of course the three of Waddle, Beardsley and Gaza. Some funny stories thrown in as well. It's a really good listen if I do say so myself. And just before we get on to hearing from Football London's Alistair Gold to get the inside track on Spurs, There'll be a long, in-depth chat with Lee Ryder answering your questions ahead of the Spurs game. That'll be the next episode out on the channel, so just look out for that. Give that a listen to ahead of the game on Sunday, and please remember to like and subscribe to the podcast. Totally free to do. Just means that once you hit that subscribe button, every episode we upload to the channel, you'll get a notification to say it's ready to listen, and away you go. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. So now joined by Football London's Alistair Gold. Thank you very much for popping on to the Everything is Black and White podcast and giving us the inside track to Spurs. How have you been doing through this international break, first of all? Yeah, all right, all right. You know, the international break is always a big, big old, well, the, the clues in the title, it's a big old break from the Premier League and... Uh, whether you know whether your allegiances lie more with the international team or your Premier League teams, you know it's still it's a strange time, and I think especially for Spurs, and I'm sure you'll have found this with Newcastle, maybe wasn't the worst time to just pause and take a breath with everything that's been happening recently. So yeah, certainly certainly from a Tottenham point of view, I think everyone at the club just wanted to just take a moment, step back from everything that's going on because it's been a bit messy in the last. So in the last week or so before the international break and, and maybe just forget about it and clear their heads. Yeah, I think Newcastle United fans were grateful of that. Although Steve Bruce today in his press conference said he, he wanted the game to come right around the corner after that Brighton defeat. I'm not sure many Newcastle United fans did. Uh, in a recent survey that the Chronicle held, 95% of 14,000 people said Steve Bruce, they wanted Steve Bruce gone. They wanted him sacked. So... That kind of just puts it into perspective of just how bad it is at the moment at Newcastle. I just want to quickly ask you, with Harry Kane leading the line for England, and obviously from looking from the outside in, he's Spurs' best player. He's you know he's probably going to break Alan Shearer's goal-scoring record if he stays fit. Do you do you think Jose Mourinho and the Spurs fans watch you know England and, and kind of like you know hands behind the uh, eyes between that eyes behind the hands you know if he gets injured or something like that? Yeah, and probably more so the fact listening to the commentary at the moment. Oh my goodness, Spurs fan, that's their biggest bugbear at the moment is that everything. And I get that, you know, in an international break, you need to fill it with stuff to talk about. But my goodness, when you even get the commentators, and I like Sam Matterplace, he's a, he's a good guy. I've kind of seen him at various matches. But when you get the commentator in England going, going, oh, isn't it nice to see Sterling, Foden, and Kane all playing up front together? Wouldn't that maybe that's what we'll see in the future for Man City? And it's just our Spurs fans like what? <laughs> it's incredible. Um, no, but obviously injuries. To be honest, with, with injuries and Kane, Spurs fans do that during Spurs matches. Every time he goes down, it's like, oh, not the ankles, because you know the poor guy last was it last month had both ankles injured at the same time, um, which is yeah some feat, um, but he managed it. Um, yeah, he's a fantastic player. He's phenomenal. Um, and he's, you know, probably up there with arguably one of the best players in the Premier League this season. His stats just bear that out. You know, he's, well, I suppose if you're going to look at it purely from a stat point of view, top goal scorer, top assist in the Premier League. I know he's joint with Salah on goals, but uh, yeah, he's everything good that Tottenham do uh, does comes through him. So yeah, yeah, they're always watching with a little bit of trepidation. Hmm. He's a, he is a joy to watch, and as I mentioned there, I think if he stays fit, you'll you'll break Alan Shearer's record, I think, or he'll certainly go close, which is obviously a fantastic achievement. On to the game on Sunday, you mentioned that the international break probably came at the right time for Spurs. For our listeners who don't follow what's going on down there um, in North London, can you just explain what you mean by that? Yeah, well, that's the thing. If you look at it on paper... 
people will probably question what I'm talking about because Spurs have won six of the last eight matches. They were actually on paper in a decent run of form. But the problem was the two defeats, uh, North London derby and then an embarrassing collapse in Croatia against Dinamo Zagreb in the Europa League. Both came within about four days of each other. And they really kind of laid open a lot of, um, kind of I suppose, maybe trouble behind the scenes is probably too much, but certainly uh, a lack of togetherness in the squad. Um, Hugo Lloris came out, had a really strong interview where he really stuck into um, players who he said haven't been starting and rather than supporting the team, have been criticising and complaining a lot. Um, and Mourinho came out and said, you know, big players have been hiding in recent games. And even Kane came out and said it was absolutely embarrassing what had happened. I mean, Loris called it a disgrace in Croatia. Um, and it left, yeah, it was quite rocky, I think. I think, you know, obviously Mourinho would have been worried about his future after that. It certainly gave off vibes about the dressing room not being behind him. But they did go to Villa Park and they put in, a, I wouldn't say an amazing performance, but they put in a, a decent team performance. You know, some of the key people weren't there. Uh, Winks, Doherty, um, Alderweireld was out, Aurea was out. Some of them were, uh, I don't want to be too disparaging, some of them were ill, was what the official explanation, and then went the very next day and joined up with their international teams. Um, some players in the squad just were completely bombed out, like Winks and Doherty. Uh, Gareth Bale dropped to the bench. Um, obviously, Deli Ali hasn't really been a key part of things, and the defence was completely changed. And they, they played quite well. They played well enough. It was a young team. Uh, and I think that was the key thing Mourinho said. He wanted this hunger back. And that's that's what he got from these young players. And whether we see the same team against Newcastle, we don't know. Um, there's a few players will be back now. Son's, you know, back as well. Um, but, yeah, it was just those two games really... Uh, I mean, the best way... Mourinho said it, it created a scar. And I think that's probably the best way of saying it. That hasn't really healed yet. It'll be interesting to see how the players return from this international break and whether they slip back into the pre-Villa Park mindset or whether that was a corner turned. I look at I've just looked up there the, the next manager to be sacked odds and Steve Bruce is is top of that list. But next is Josie Mourinho. And again, I think for people looking from the outside in, that might strike them as a bit bizarre. You know, he's still looking for that top four. You know, he's still, like you say, you know, they've, they've won a lot of games in the last few weeks aside from them to defeat. So how do how are Spurs fans looking at Jose Mourinho? Is are they happy with the manager? Do, do they want to change immediately? Do they want to change come the summer? And I guess that just rolls into how important this game is for Mourinho going forward. Yeah, I think there's definitely a split among Spurs fans. Um the difficulty we have nowadays obviously is I'm sure you find with Newcastle is that a lot of the gauging of fan opinions has to be done on social media. You know, we don't have the fans in the stadium, so we don't get that instant reaction, the boos and things like that. So we have to take it from social media, which can be extremes. You know, noisy voices can be louder, but there's definitely a split with Mourinho. I think he comes into Tottenham, always did, a little bit similar to George Graham back in the day. He comes with a very strong connection with another London team, obviously Chelsea. And during his time there, he said some things about Spurs, as you would as Chelsea boss, that, were very much stuck in the memories of Tottenham fans. So it was always going to be a case of him with his methods. If it brought wins and trophies, fair enough. If it didn't, then it was always going to, he was kind of coming from behind, as it were. He was, it wasn't always going to be given the uh, slack that maybe some other managers might get. So, I mean, he'll say that he's improved Tottenham last year. They've got more points, higher up the table, scored more goals, conceded less. But the problem is Mourinho was brought in to be better than Pochettino. That was always the, the logic behind it. Pochettino had you know four consecutive top four finishes, finished second one year, third twice, Champions League final. So Mourinho had to come in and then do extra. Um, currently sixth place. It's probably not what Spurs brought him in for. Um, I think for him, he's got a cup final. They're only three points off fourth place. He can still make this season a huge leap, especially if they can get that silverware. I know it's Man City, so it's no way a given whatsoever. But if they were to get top four or at least show that they're heading back towards that and perhaps get that silverware, I think he's fine. 
If not, I think there'll be talks in the summer and see where, where the momentum's going, whether it's in a positive direction or a negative one. And I guess then, is this kind of a must? Would you say this is a must-win game on, on Sunday in terms of that Champions League hope? I know there'll still be eight games to go after that, but how important is, is victory for Spurs on Sunday? Sounds rubbish. I'd say it's almost a must-win. Almost. It's it's one of those I think is exacerbated by the fact that coming straight after our Man United um, Everton away and then the Cup final, the Carabao Cup final. So yes, I think this is a game where you know no disrespect intended to Newcastle, but purely on paper and on the league table, Tottenham should be going into this game believing they can win it. Um, whereas the next three games are ones where. They've, you know, have had tough times against those teams uh, in the recent seasons. So, yeah, I think if they were to come away with a defeat uh, from uh, the game at the weekend, then yes, it sets up a, a negative momentum, three huge games coming up. So, yeah, I'd probably say it's bordering on a must win. Obviously, you can kind of, like you say, with that many games to come, you can turn around things after this. So it's not absolute must win. But I think in terms of fragile confidence, it's very important. Hmm. You mentioned there the kind of his methods and the style of play. Now, I haven't watched a lot of Spurs this season, but what I have done, I've heard, you know, pundits talk about, you know, how long can, how long will fans put up with the style of play from Spurs? And the way I see that is that it's it's a bit defensive and they like to hit teams on the counter. I don't know if I've got that right. And it's in, in many ways, it's similar to, to, to Newcastle, except fans get criticised. You know, you don't hear pundits saying, oh, how long can Newcastle put up with this style of play until Bruce's question and Bruce's, you know, shown down the road. And I find that kind of comparison, it, it, I think Newcastle fans find that a bit annoying. It, it seems to come from, shall we say, two high-profile pundits on, on BBC Five Live. I think I've heard them say that they say it the most about, you know, how long can Spurs go on uh, like this? What do you make of the style of play? And, and has it been as bad as some are saying? No. No, it hasn't. Yeah, so we put it plainly, it hasn't. I mean, Spurs have scored the fourth most goals in the Premier League. And in all, they've scored over 100 goals. It's like, they're not a team that is just purely sitting there trying to scrape 1-0 wins. They're not. But that's, you know, it's kind of this thing. I, I do agree. I think Mourinho, the instant reaction is to think, ah, oh, Mourinho football. And I think that's the easiest kind of way to look at it. There are certainly, I think, in big games, it can be applied to Tottenham, definitely. He's got this thing in big games where he sets them up very much uh, with the, the look uh, yeah, to counter, to sit back. Even the fullbacks will sit back in a lot of the big games. And I think that's probably a frustration um, for the fans, and that's where it comes from. Whereas I don't think so much in the teams, against teams outside the top six, it's not really how Spurs have been playing. They've been looking to force the game. Um, I think Spurs' style naturally lends itself to the counter-attack. You know, they've got these fast players. They've got uh, the likes of Son and Lucas that can break very quickly. Um, and, and especially someone like on the belly in the midfield will suddenly be able to start a transition. That's just kind of... And this was the same under Pochettino. They're probably at their best on the break. Um, but yeah, it's Mourinho. And definitely there's been some frustration among the fans. Definitely games where you can see... The attacking players, and I, I mean, I do mean the big games where the attacking players like Kane have been starved of service. That certainly is the case, but I'd say overall, it's probably unfair to tag him across the whole season. I think the stats bear that out. In terms of Spurs' weaknesses, then for Newcastle to try and target on Sunday, what would you say that the main weakness is? Definitely the back four, which sounds weird when I think they've got the third best uh, defensive record in the Premier League. But it is, it's a fragile defence. It's one that he still hasn't worked out what his best centre-back pairing is. We've seen Dyer and Sanchez. We've seen Dyer and Alderweireld. We've seen Sanchez and Roden at the weekend. Um, it, you know, it could be anything. We don't know what that central pairing is going to be on Sunday. Um, you know, he could stick with um, Sanchez and Roden because they kept a clean sheet at Villa Park. But... Um, you know, Alderweireld could come back in with his experience. So I think that's been their biggest problem is they've never looked entirely settled. And I think probably a lot of their defensive record has come from uh, Hoybier sitting in front of them. I think he does a lot of the work in front of them as well to try and shield them. Um, and I think if, you know, obviously you'll be able to answer this better than me, but if Newcastle have any kind of wherewithal about them with set pieces, that's where they can get a Tottenham, definitely. 
well, I don't, <laughs> I'm not sure they do. To be fair, I mean, it's not it's not something they're bad at, but it's. I mean, if you look at the game against Brighton, they just didn't they didn't do anything. There was no fight. There was no desire. So, you know, I can't even remember a, a chance, let alone a, a set piece. And I think that's going to be the issue. I think it's going to be interesting how Spurs deal with Newcastle because Spurs are expected to win, I assume, from the side of the Spurs fans and definitely from the side of the Newcastle United fans. There's no hope of, uh, no expectation of even a draw, I don't think, from the majority of Newcastle United fans. And it's a game in many ways where they, I think most fans just assume Spurs will win. And how how will Mourinho handle that where he goes into a game where they are expected to, to pick up three points and, and not really be threatened at all? Um, I'd probably say in this recent run, of the, the six wins have probably come against teams that Spurs were expected to win. So I don't think that will be so much a problem. It will be more like I say, how that the harmony in the group is, uh, how fractured it's been from the pre-international break stuff and how the mood the players are, have come back in. Yeah, I, I don't... I wouldn't say expectations too much of an issue for Spurs um, in, in some of these games. But, uh, I mean, I was going to turn around your question from before. Is this a must-win game for Newcastle? Or are they targeting other ones as the must-win ones? I mean, it, it obviously, it is a home game, after all. You, you you would like to say that they'll be targeting other games. But, I mean, Steve Bruce played down the fact West Brom was a must-win. And then they, they drew that game. You saw against Brighton, which was a must-win. And as I've mentioned there, there was no fight at all. I mean, commentators on Sky were talking about Brighton looked shocked at the lack of pro action from Newcastle to get back into the game. I mean, Brighton looked like Barcelona. It was unacceptable from Newcastle. And you look, you do look at certain fixtures Newcastle have got, and this won't be one they'll be thinking, you know, they can get all three points from. But I think... They're also at a stage of the season and they're also facing a relegation fight where they have to go into every game thinking they can win. And that's been the problem, I think, of late at Newcastle. Steve Bruce has spent too much time, in my opinion, talking up the opposition, seeing how good the manager is or seeing how good the players are when he really should be doing that about his own side. You compare it to Fulham, you compare it to, uh, I think it was Harrison Reid after the Liverpool game and he said, look, we go into every game thinking we can win. Scott Parker drills it into us that, you know, we're going to win today. And I don't see that at Newcastle. I don't see that in the things Steve Bruce says. Um, and if you're talking about games Newcastle are going to target, then you look at the next few fixtures. They've got, obviously, Spurs Sunday, then Burnley, then West Ham, and then Liverpool. It is a horrific month for Newcastle. So, realistically, you say, yes, they would target that Burnley game, but I think they're in a position where They've just got to target every game to win because it's only going to take one one will one win from Fulham and then you win the, the relegation zone because of the, the points difference, the uh, goal difference. So yeah, I mean I can't see them winning this game. I can't see where the next points are going to come from. I don't even look at that Burnley game and think, you know, they're gonna they're gonna give Burnley a game there. However, you know I mean my only other concern for Newcastle is having seen Spurs play Fulham twice in quick succession recently. Fulham are a team that really kind of got it together now. They really are. I mean, obviously, we know about the results in 2021, but Spurs had real difficulties with them. They're a team very much together. And like you say, they they believe that they can get out of that drop zone. And that's, I think that's a massive thing, that belief. Mm, I mean, they've, they've got a game plan. And I said this halfway through the Brighton game, that you look at Brighton and you look at Fulham, they look like scoring goals. They just don't. That's their issue. Whereas Newcastle... They don't look like scoring goals and not creating anything. You know, I think they had their first shot on target, and it was something like seventy-six minutes against Brighton, who hadn't won at home for God knows how long. And you know, we're just a, a place above Newcastle. And you think, and this is a game that you should be given everything for. And I think the shot on target was actually, a, I think it, it was a deflected, and it you know it just fell nicely into the keeper's hands. So it wasn't even a threat. And, and you're kind of just sitting there thinking. If this is the case against someone like Brighton, no disrespect, what's it going to be against someone like Spurs or Liverpool or Man City? It's it's a scary thought. And given the, the survey results that we saw earlier in the week and given just the feeling around Newcastle and the, the result against Brighton, this is a game that Bruce does need to win. Whether he'll target it as a must-win 
is a different question. I think that is partly where the problem lies as well. That there's no belief in that. There's no belief in your own squad to to get these to get these results, which is which is not what you want when you know you're facing a, a scrap for safety. It's uh, yeah, it's not good at all. Um, I was going to ask you about the strengths of Spurs, and I guess we point to one man, do we? And that's Harry Kane. Uh, yeah, ultimately yes, but I do think there have been supporting characters this season at different times. You know, Son obviously has had a terrific season, and having him not only back fit, but he's managed to kind of have the last three weeks to rest, and he was one of Spurs' most overplayed players. Um, so it's actually, yeah, if you're going to see one player, you know, not great news for Newcastle fans, but if you're going to see one player who probably is a bit re-energised, it's going to be Son. Um, so he's obviously had a great partnership. Bale will be an interesting one. He had a fantastic month before the North London derby. North London derby was back to the flat Bale we'd seen previously. But before that, in the month before, he, it was a real renaissance. He was superb. So it'd be interesting to see which of those plays. I'd imagine Lucas Moura will start because he's had a good little run recently, um, which will probably keep Bale on the bench. But yeah, I think I'd keep an eye on the, uh, the Son-Kane partnership kind of being restored. I think that's the one. I think I've maybe mentioned to you in a previous podcast that Son is one of those players that keeps me awake at night. I've got them for kind of one or two teams in the Premier League. It used to be Shane Long at Southampton. Now, obviously, he's moved on. And But Son is definitely one of those where I just I just fear every time he gets the ball. I mean, he's a great player. and he, I, I, It might not even be true that he, he tends to do well against Newcastle. I don't know the stats for certain, but I do, I do fear him every time he, uh, he drives forward. Um, a score prediction then, how do you see it going? Um, I'm terrible at these. Pretty much whatever I predict is always the opposite, which might help Newcastle fans. Okay, so yeah, predict the Spurs win and then we'll, we'll yeah. get the opposite. I think I might go for 2-1 to Spurs. I yeah, think, you know... That's yeah, a goal. You get that on target. <laughs> we'll take that goal. <laughs> Um, that was the one thing that frustrated fans, I think, against Brighton. It was three, they were three nil down, and Steve Bruce threw on another midfielder. And it was like, whether you haven't got a recognized striker on the pitch anyway, and you've just taken Almiron off, who fair enough had just come back from injury, so wasn't probably fully match fit, but you've just taken an attacking player off and thrown on another midfielder, and you're three nil down. Fulham have a much better goal difference than Newcastle. You know, every goal, every goal counts. So we'll yeah. definitely take that one goal if that is the result. Sadly for Newcastle United fans, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna uh, predict the win. I think Spurs will win this game, and I think, I think it could be quite comfortable again. I think, I think it could be something like three 0 perhaps. But I'm, I'm already pessimistic, and I think it's just all, it's rolling into a bigger ball of pessimism. So, fingers crossed, I'm wrong, and your tendency to get the result wrong as well um, will work in Newcastle's favour hopefully but we do appreciate you uh giving us the inside track there and uh enjoy the rest of your your weekend thank you you too